NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. Thank you for checking out the show each and every week. And as always, I am your host, Joshua Toomey. The guest this week is the great Gary Holt of Exodus and Slayer. New album, Persona Non Grata, out November 19th, Nuclear Blast Records. And as soon as you hit play on this record, it blows your mind. Like, they are not messing around, and uh, Gary and I talk about that in the interview coming right up. Hopefully, I will see you guys at Louder Than Life on Thursday, and then I should be traveling to NotFest, Iowa on Saturday. So, Louder Than Life Thursday, NotFest, Iowa Saturday. It's going to be a great weekend of live music. Going to check out so many great bands, and hopefully I make it back in town to Louisville and maybe check out Metallica Sunday night. Hopefully. You never know. Guys, make sure you are going over to NotFest.com, getting a VIP subscription, and checking out all of the video versions of the Talk To Me podcast interviews, and also my Throwback Throwdown with Toomey show over on NotFest Twitch. You can check out videos from all of those shows over at NotFest.com. Become a VIP and you get so many perks. You get merch bundles. You get tickets before everybody else. It's so much good stuff going on over there. NotFest.com. Check it out. Check me out. Check us out. If you are going to be allowed in the life on Thursday, hit me up social media. Let me know you're going to be there. We'll, maybe we'll do a little meetup, little meet and greet with Toomey and see, what, see how many people we can meet. And then also NotFest Iowa. We should be streaming all day in NotFest, Iowa, and uh, come check us out while we are streaming live from NotFest, Iowa. Gonna be awesome, and uh, make sure to come up and say hello. Back to the guest at hand, we've got Gary Holt, Exodus, and Slayer. Gary and I talk about so much great stuff. We talk about the Bay Area scene, talk about Cliff Burton, talking about this final Slayer tour, uh, what he learned from Slayer, I think he kind of got my question wrong. I asked him what he learned from Slayer. Obviously, I didn't ask him what he learned musically from Slayer, but uh, logistically from Slayer. Very cool. Very cool to hear about the recording of the new album, Persona Non Grata. Uh, we talk a little bit, and then always we end up with a little football talk. I mistakenly ask him if he's a Raiders fan. He is a 49ers fan, and uh, he tells me all about it. So uh, great conversation with Gary Holt. So let's check out some of the latest from Exodus. Talk to Gary Holt, maybe a little classic from Exodus, and then I will talk to you guys momentarily. Let's welcome the great, the legendary Gary Holt to the Talk To Me podcast here at NotFest.com. Gary, man, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. 
I think you did a cameo for me like a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember that or not, but uh, uh, maybe I, don't I was know. I was one of your random cameos. You were too cheap, man. You were like twenty five bucks. How could you pass it up? Ah, uh, you know, I raised it to a whole whopping thirty five. <laughs> 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 you know, I always look at the cameos like should charge about what a t shirt costs. All right, you got some yeah. people out there charging just ridiculous money, but they almost do none of them. You know, I'd rather be yeah. busy. I need something to do anyway. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely fun to do, and and I like going through just random people's cameos and seeing what people are, you know. Hey, I'd like to wish Sarah a happy birthday. Uh, you know, yeah, totally. shit like that, man. Too funny, man. But we are here to talk about the great new Exodus record, Persona Non Grata, man. As soon as you hit play on this thing, man, it is, it is an assault to the ears, man. It is so good. It's so fucking, good. It, it's it's a kick to the fucking nuts, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I hit. Pl- I, I I was doing something here at the desk, and I hit play, and I was kind of not paying too much attention, and all of a sudden it just kicks in, and you're like, all right, here we go. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Yeah, we opted <laughs> not to, to put, like, uh, an intro on it, you know, some right. grandiose, you know, synthesizer laden thing or whatever or <laughs> 500 acoustic tracks you know with some yeah you know gothic choir voices or whatever right? someone chooses to do i mean we've done them you know yeah. we've done some pretty interesting intros over the years and uh we just wanted you to like almost think that something's wrong and crank it up <laughs> to a ridiculous level and then like oh shit Right. I was waiting yeah, I mean, for some it, soft strings to come in and <laughs> and then maybe bring in an oboe and a cello and then like, all right, we're getting somewhere. Nah, it's just it goes from zero to a hundred immediately. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, there's so much metal out there now that it takes a lot for a big shit eating grin to go across your face. And this was one of those times where you're like, good. All right, here we go. This is this is gonna be a good time. Uh, I, talk I a little still bit get of- a shit eating grin when I listen to it. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious, you know, like we write for ourselves anyway, you yeah. know, like make us happy. And then if you're lucky, other people like it too. And, um, I listen to the hell out of it. And usually when, um, when we finish an album, I really, by the time it's mixed, I don't listen to it anymore. I've heard it 5,000 times and I'm just not interested and I want to make a new one. And, yeah. uh, this one, I still listen to it and it's been mixed forever. So. You know, it sounds it really, something. really good. Yeah, it sounds so good, and and it looks like you guys kind of did this in a in a few home studios, man. It's I just love where technology has taken us. Where you well, can we um for several albums now, going back to Tempo of the Dam, we we've done one album in that time in a real studio. We do the drums there because you need a lot more inputs and channels and rooms and just you know just the hardware and, you know, the logistics of it all. But we tend to like build a studio somewhere, anywhere from like a warehouse to we've rented a vacation home up on the Russian river and, you know, built the studio there. But this is the first time that we said, we don't need a studio for drums either. Tom, you know, bought a house up in Lake Almanor and uh, the garage is like this, like massive man cave and part of it already had multiple rooms built into it that someone had a film editing studio in it. Oh, wow. So it was already just tailor made for it. And, you know, we just, we'll never go back to doing it any other way. I mean, we like each other's company for one. So locking (laughs) yourselves away in the mountains is fun. You know, it's a good time. Summer camp, jam camp. Well, I mean, are you a are you a gearhead? Are you a tech head? You want to know about the recording side of it or or do you have someone else there that you can kind of say, hey, this is what I need. 
we have someone else there. Jack's, you know, quite a an engineer himself, but we brought in Steve Laguti, longtime machine head, front of house engineer, and you know he's worked for Exodus as well. And uh, he, we didn't bring in like, you know, uh, a mid level Pro Tools unit and a laptop. We brought in a <laughs> fucking full studio. I mean, we had three studios set up for this record. We had a demo studio with a with one drums kit so we could work out ideas and record them and listen to them. Then we had the real kit mic'd up. We didn't have to beat it to death working on things, just tracking. And then in the rental house, Jack had a home studio set up that we could work on uh, vocals and stuff like that. And uh, it was just super uh, – it was a super creative environment for sure. It was rad. I'll never do it any other way. I always say like a queen and deep purple had Lake Geneva. Exodus <laughs> right. has Lake Almanor. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Too awesome. Man. Uh, well, we, and, uh, we, went- we were up there in the middle of the, like some savage fire. So there was some pretty close to some smoke on the water as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. You could definitely, uh, maybe it was you guys that brought the uh, wildfires on, you know? Summon. Yeah, yeah, we were up there <laughs> tracking in some horribly unhealthy air quality index <laughs> conditions. It's pretty bad. Now we did this whole big spiel about you know not doing uh, oboes and everything else on the intro, but there is there is some really nice acoustic guitar on this. Uh, that sounds very outdoors. Lot. Did you record that outside? I mean, it sounds it sounds like you literally went outside on the front porch in a rocking chair and recorded. No, some but acoustic that's what guitar. we wanted, you know, because yeah. um. You know, the the piece, uh, Cosa del Pantano, which is just Spanish for swamp thing, you know, because uh, <laughs> Tom wanted to call it. He said, that sounds like some bayou kind of thing. We should call it swamp thing. I said, that's a little too obvious. So I did a quick translation and I said, all right, it sounds better in Spanish. And uh, we wanted it to sound like it was recorded on a porch looking over some bug infested bayou. But, you know, that's a. Thanks of modern technology, you know, I recorded it sitting on a stool in front of a mic. The uh, and the, and then also the baby that's very uh, disturbing. It's very yeah. jarring to someone that's had kids. You like, you just want to go help this baby out. Where yeah, did the baby come from? Is that um, that was Andy's <laughs> idea? You know, yeah. uh, we just ran with it. I mean, we worked so hard on this record, and we had the freedom, you know, to like. Tom could come back and uh, work on drum parts, you know, a month in, you know, usually when the drums are done, they're packed up and gone. And, yeah. and the drummer's always going, man, I wish I could redo that part, you know, we'll go do it, you know? And uh, then when we mixed it, you know, the pandemic, Andy wasn't busy with Judas Priest or anything. And we mixed this album so many times, like ridiculous. <laughs> it got to the point where it had been done for a month. And I went to Andy and I said, you know, do you, do you think maybe um we could, tweak this one thing and you think it maybe we should he goes yeah we should and he goes anything (laughs) past this is the point of madness (laughs) yeah that's the one thing with this whole pandemic with people that recorded albums pre-pandemic that have just been sitting on them i don't know how you don't you know redo them 90 times because we did (laughs) i i i heard uh i think i heard uh, Bruce Dickinson talking about that. Their latest album had been done forever and they didn't allow anyone to listen to it because they didn't want to do that. They were like, yeah. we'll just, we'll just keep it under lock and key. Nobody gets it. Nobody can, can nitpick it. And, yeah. You know, uh, go like from there. every Exodus album, there's always like a few different mixes. There's the extreme, extreme guitar mix, which, you know, even which is your myself, favorite? <laughs> I listen to it and go like, ah, oh, you know, everything's getting a little bit lost. Sure. The guitars are just yeah. bl- bludgeoning in your face. 
but you know, we got to share some Sonics real estate, you know? And right. then there's the, what I call the Joey DeMaio mix, okay. which is the Jack Gibson louder than everything mix, which also <laughs> sounds amazing. You know, the, his bass tone is so good, but then it softens the guitars a little bit, a little of the crunch gets up, starts to evaporate. And then eventually we find the right mix, you know? Um, and uh, when we did that final last mix, it was literally all we did was change a tiny, tiny frequency in the guitars. And no one else would have noticed it, but Andy and myself, we both agreed that it completely opened up everything. It made everything else a little louder because, you know, when you start fighting for, you know, frequencies, you know, it, you, you start stepping on each other a little bit. And, um, you know, I think the, the end result the album is just huge and it's wide and it's just giant sounding and it doesn't sound like anything else anyone else is doing. You should also add in the Injustice for All mix where you just completely erase Jack's parts. Yeah, exactly. We've never <laughs> done that because you know, I, I love the bass player. <laughs> now, Jack's a good dude. I've actually seen Jack. Uh, he's he's a Nashville guy now. and uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen him around uh, Rock and Pod a few times and around town here and there. So, yeah, Jack's always around. Jack's always up on stage playing with somebody. Yeah, um, yeah. These songs, I mean, obviously you're the main songwriter in the band. What's your writing process like? When, do you, you just know, have an ongoing riff tape? What's going on? I went into this with like a thousand riffs and some finished songs and then some fleshed out to various levels. You know, I might have a song that's like, you know, 90% done. I might have one that I think is 75% done, but it's done. I just hemming and hawing and fucking around with it too much. And then some shit you're stuck on. And then just overnight it clicks and uh it was like that with Fires of Division, which is one of my favorite songs. And um, I just kept fucking with it and I wasn't happy with it. And Tom was like, we got to don't give up on it. It's badass. And I just got up one morning and and I had it done. It's just kind of clicked that morning before I ever even got coffee. And, uh, and the whole ending section through the harmony section to the outro riff was improvised as I did laid down the scratch tracks. I got to that part was approaching in the song and. I just just keep going, don't stop. And I just made it up. It's fucking, you know, and it worked, you know, because I'm just kind of following the flow of the song rather than uh, over analyzing anything, and it came out really killer. Quick change of subjects here, but one of the things that over the last, you know, the pandemic and even a little bit prior to the pandemic, uh, a lot of documentaries kind of coming out around the old Bay Area scene. You got the Murder in the Front Row, you got the uh, Bob Nabandian Bay Area Godfathers. Uh, there's just a there's such a mythical thing about the Bay Area. You know, for me, I mean, obviously I would have been too young for it anyway. But like over the years, the legend of the Bay Area scene uh, has just grown and grown. And these documentaries obviously help it out, man. So so tell me a quick synopsis of like what that meant to you back then, the the early you know, days the, of the, the scene. The scene in the Bay Area is legendary for a good reason. You know, the only one other one like it or that exceeds it. And I wasn't there. I would have to say would have been to been in London during the new wave of British heavy metal, you know, because <laughs> it wasn't just thrash. The Bay Area music scene was like it was stinking, reeking with like awesome <laughs> bands, you know, yeah. and of all ty different types. You know, we went to a different club almost every night of the week and we never saw the same band twice, you know, and it was just amazing. And the thrash scene itself was, you know, so good that metallica came and played a show and never went home basically <laughs> right. yeah 
No, only Slayer stayed in their part of California. <laughs> right. And even then, you know, they were like, you know, kind of an outcast where they were, you know, and, um, and it was just a, it was a magical place to be. It was amazing. You know, I think about it all the time and seeing the murder in the front row movie. And before that, the book, it was like, it, like a uh, Brian Lou and I would call it, it our heavy metal yearbook, like our yearbook of our youth, you know, it's, ep- it's epic, you know, best times of my life some of them i think i think all those documentaries too tend to uh um shine a light on exodus because every every band that pops up on there they go yeah exodus like it's like every, i guess you finally get your due you know you you finally get the 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 due that exodus should have gotten a long time ago yeah in, well, in these you documentaries know, we, we, were, we were the born and bred bay area band you know metallica right. you know lars from denmark james from la and you know, and, you know, so they're, they're transplants, <laughs> <laughs> right? They're not, they weren't genuine Bay area guys, but half the band was, you know, Cliff obviously and Kirk, you know, yeah. but you know, Metallica having succeeded so early, you know, even, you know, just hitting the road way before anybody else and being on the road all the time, you know, the Bay, we were like the, the hometown band far more than Metallica ever was. Oh Yeah. Uh, any any memories of Cliff and uh, in trauma pre pre Metallica? Yeah, I, mean, him I saw him at Keystone Berkeley, standing there right alongside James and everybody, and kind of it was like the worst kept secret in the world that <laughs> that they were like scouting this bell bottom wearing maniac with a wall pedal on his bass, you know. And Trauma were a great band; they were really yeah. good. And that's just a, another thing about how awesome the Bay Area was. You know, it wasn't like you know Cliff was just this guy playing with a bunch of slubs, his band was great, but you know, right. he knew there was something special about Metallica. Yeah. One of my last, uh, last concerts pre pandemic was, uh, was Mr. Bungle and possessed at the Warfield. We flew out there for that. We didn't know that was gonna be the last show we saw, but then prior to that, I mean, most people's last shows before the pandemic was the final Slayer tour. Like anytime you see like, what was your last show you saw? Everybody says Slayer. Yeah. Um, you asked for sure. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, we, we went to, to Europe with Exodus and we flew home March 12th. The, yeah. You know, that night's when they shut down the airports. You know, so, and um, we only had two shows canceled. And, um, and then we fucking got out of there and came home. And then most of us were sick as fuck, you know? <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, in the U.S., you know, the lot, everybody, there's all the memes going around, you know, like, like a Slayer calls it quits yep. and the world goes to shit, you know? Right, <laughs> might be some truth to that. I don't know. What a bill, though, man! That 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 final Slayer tour that I saw. Obviously, Phil Anselmo playing Pantera tunes. Then you got uh, you know Ministry basically doing a, a greatest hit set. You've got Primus out there doing a heavy set, which is awesome. And then you guys, obviously, man. So you can't you couldn't have beaten that for a for a final tour for a lot of people to see pre pre pandemic. Yeah, it was awesome, and you know it was it was amazing to tour with all those people. When the tour was announced, I was kind of, you know, a little down just because we'd spent so much time the two last two years with the same group of people, you know, Lamb of God, yeah. Anthrax, Anthrax. And Behemoth and stuff. And I know we all kind of wanted to finish that together because we all became like a really big family. But, you know, I've been, you know, friends with these other people for a million years as well. And it, it was amazing. It was awesome. Gave the crowd a, a, a little something different. But, you know, yeah, you know, spent a lot of time with those other guys, you know. 
but in the yeah, end definitely. it worked out and it was amazing and you know fun phil playing pantera it was amazing epic yeah, what a way to start the show and ministry were killer and primus and primus totally crazy and different and the crowd loved them you know I remember when that, that tour got announced, everybody was like, why is Primus on here? And I had actually seen Slayer and Primus on the OzFest together, and I think they were back-to-back on that day, too. And I was like, it worked then. It's going to work. It, it'll definitely work, man. Yeah, it totally worked. <laughs> and, you know, they were all just such great guys. And, you know, I've known Les since high school, basically, you know, when he went to Gianza High with Tom Hunting and Kirk Hammett. And, and um, I've known That's Larry insane. since, you know, the Possessed Days and known phil since cowboys of hell and you know i've hung out with al jorgensen off and on you know going back many years you know so it was it was totally totally fun it was it was unique it was different and it was sad to see it end you know um do, do you do you take anything from the time in slayer into what you're doing now with exodus do you was there anything you quote unquote learned while you're in a, in a in a band that big um, on the production end of things and, and logistics and stuff, yeah, I learned a lot, you know, about how yeah. a, a tour like that runs and how, how it, you know, how that kind of a tour, you know, works. Um, musically, no, you know, I've learned how to play Slayer right. songs, you know, I play a little <laughs> bit of guitar already. So it's not right. that big a deal. But no, you know, no, no, I got you. Learning how it works, you know, on that kind of level and the professionalism it requires to do that, you know, it was you know, super, super awesome learning experience. Uh, so you've got the, uh, the, is the Bay area strikes back tour that starts October 8th still, still on? Are we, are we still forging ahead? You know, you never know with COVID these days. We never know. Let's hope so. <laughs> right Too now funny, we're just uh, concentrating on Tom hunting, getting his health back. Yeah. How is but he doing? He's doing great. You know, I mean, you know, he had a full gastrectomy, you know, he removed his stomach. It's kind of amazing that a human being can live without one because, you know, we know that it digests and breaks down our food, but your body can do it anyway without it. So he's got to learn like a new relationship with food because now you're eating for caloric sustenance, you know? Right. You know, you're not just eating because you like smoke too much weed and you want to just like <laughs> gluttonize on some Taco some Bell, big-ass Taco Bell <laughs> or a big fucking greasy right. hamburger, yeah. you know? But uh, he's doing really well, and he's getting back behind the drum kit, and he's just got to get, you know, the stamina back and all that. But we're right now I'm just counting the days I have him back. He's, you know, my partner in crime, you know, like my right-hand man. I, oh, everywhere yeah. if I ride is with him in mind, even when he wasn't in the band. So, you know, we just had... Yeah, how were the shows with John Tempesta? Oh, that was awesome. I was just going to get to that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Tom said that he would not be able to do those shows, and, you know, we booked him. He said, you know, if I'm walking, I'm playing. But, you know, it just wasn't in that. He hadn't gotten to that place yet. And he asked about, you know, like asked me about some guys. And he said his choice was Johnny. And I said, that's my choice, too. Let's make this fun. And let's, you know, bring another family member back into the fold. And and we had a great time. And it culminated with a golf cart circle pit at Full Terror Assault, <laughs> which my only regret in life is Tom wasn't there to see it because it was right. one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It yeah, was, where did those where do those golf carts come from? I, I mean, I've seen the video, obviously, but you know, there was insane. a big um, soundboard with the big lighting tower kind of thing right out in front, and they were parked right there. And someone had told me earlier about the golf cart circle pit, but I think that it happened when um, 
like earlier in the day when it wasn't crowded. And so there were people just like driving around. And when we got toxic waltz, I kind of like told the audience I'd heard about this golf cart circle pit and why am I not seeing it? And fucking hell, they sure brought it out. And the characters, I mean, it was amazing. I, I'd never smiled so hard. <laughs> I'm still smiling about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was watching the videos and just, just those little just golf carts just trucking through the little, you know, the uh, the pit there, man. People jumping yeah, on top of them. The characters and up on top of them. My favorite is uh, the Bud Knight, the guy with the 12-pack on his head <laughs> and the bottle in his hand. And my uh, soundman had sent me some pictures from Facebook or something. And those guys, they, they – uh, laid the bud hat to rest after it was all said and done they like you know standing around saluting it and uh you know they you know giving it like a send off and then they set it on fire it's pretty awesome you know through the years exodus has, has had some lineup changes and uh do you do you kind of see the lineup changes as kind of a detriment to to maybe why exodus you know didn't break through back in the day and and become you know that that top billing band that it should have well, been well i mean from the from the moment, you know, we were bonded by blood and then we had a new singer and we were, you know, other than a bass player change and, you know, we were solid for several years and, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't help. But nowadays when I look at it, it's like, it, it's not that big of a deal. No. <laughs> you know, um, you know, shit happens. <laughs> I know other bands that, you know, like this bands out there, I think Napalm Death doesn't have a single original member in it. Right. Yeah, and Napalm Death are legends, so fuck it. They're doing all right, Uh, you know. But we've been, you know, been rocking for years, and uh, and we're doing better than ever. So I've got no complaints. You know, the only complaints I got is some of our self-destructive behavior. You know, in the past might have like inhibited us a little bit. You know, what what would you say that self-destructive behavior was? Oh God, meth. (laughs) when uh you know four fifths of your band jack being the only guy who wasn't you know we're like fucking spun out of their minds it uh kind of tends to like put up some roadblocks to success (laughs) (laughs) i mean i I laugh about it now you know right like actually uh any former tweaker will tell you there's there were some fun moments, you know, some fucking fun shit that happens when you're sleep deprived. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to never go back there. Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually listening to the uh, to Dave Mustaine's autobiography that came out about 10 years ago. But I don't know how they functioned as a band to, to get anything done from all the 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 drug use and selling of gear for you know to get to get more smack and everything else man it's a it's a pretty intense time and uh, you know obviously the the uh you know the bay area uh documentaries actually show that too you know that that was a big problem back then too for for all you guys well you know for exodus it wasn't a big problem then you know we partied we'd like you know back in the in the early days we get a little bag of meth and the whole band would function on it all night it was in the 90s when we reunited with bailoff yeah, and uh, that's when we got really fucking spun. Started smoking <laughs> meth, and uh, shit got bad then. Yeah, it fucking sucked. But you know, yeah. that, I I got that fucking um, I laid that cross to bear on the ground a long time ago in two thousand and two. Yeah, yeah, good to hear. Hell, I'm ninety the, uh, days sober today. <laughs> well, there we go, man. I'm no Congratulations fun at all anymore. <laughs> no more Gary Holt, man. I do smoke a little bit of weed nowadays, though. 
I think that's, I think, what is that, green and sober is what they call that? Oh, yeah, it's much better. <laughs> well, it's man, only, it's only an occasional thing for me, though. You know, like, my wife's a full-on stoner, and occasionally I'll join her. Like, you know, all right, hand me that, you know. Give me, give me a little bit of that. <laughs> Too funny, man. You know, it's funny. I guess the older I get, you know, my wife still has a beer, a couple of beers every night after work, you know, one or two. And then I'm just like, you know, I just, it, I think it's because if I drink, I'm drinking. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to be, I'm, you're going to find me on the back porch if well, I drink. You know, you for know? me, pre-pandemic in the world of heavy metal, I was a teetotaler. You know, I'd like, even I was Slayer, you know, I drank a lot of beer, but I'm a beer drinker, you know, and like, uh. I do like these mostly ceremonial Jaeger shots. We call them Bellow certified because Frank Bellow would always ask for like a little tiny one. And we're talking a small little shot and it's only full about there, like like that. And I've even done this before when I don't want to, hey, you got to have one holding like and no one's looking over the shoulder. <laughs> and um, then I got home and when I come home from tour, I don't drink much at all. Watch football, shit like that. Pandemic. A whole different story. You know, I moved to the hills a little bit and it's beautiful and I sit outside and got nothing else to fucking do with my life. And I just started drinking, drinking a lot of beer, like really strong. You know, like I'd tell my wife, you know, I'm not drinking too much. I only had four of these 13% <laughs> alcohol beers that are like that big, you know, yeah, I only yeah. had four of them. And then I drank some white claws someone left here because I had no more beer. You know, drinking <laughs> you just white claws, you got a drinking problem. Sorry, hey man, <laughs> there are no, there are no laws. Yeah, um, I feel great though. I feel amazing now. You big, you big Raiders guy, right? Niners, hush your Niners. mouth. Well, hey, you know, you, you, you a lot of the Bay Area guys are more uh, more Raiders guys. You know, they were the more metal metally team, but uh, posers, <laughs> bunch of posers, <laughs> bunch of fucking posers. <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders, I should say. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't even like they're not Bay even Area. in they're your stadium anymore. Zetro, <laughs> who is a lifelong Raider fan, has completely walked away from the team and football in general. Well, he said he'll come back when they expand the league again because he won't find another team to root for till it's a brand new expansion team. He said <laughs> well, they that's probably coming again, soon. and he's not hand it, not dealing with it well. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> too bad, too bad. Well, hey, hey, your 49ers did well week one. So Except uh, for they, they took they... their fucking foot off the gas and had <laughs> right. Bosa untaping his ankles and almost gave up about the most embarrassing comeback on opening day history, NFL history. Well, Never, give up. Have... Never take your foot off. <laughs> That's Kyle Shanahan's problem. He lost mm -hmm. the biggest, gave up the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history because he fucking took his foot off the gas. Niners Super Bowl two years ago, you know, second half. He sucked. Mm -hmm. And this one here, you almost let the Lions come back. You know, you can't do that shit. You got to try to kill people. Right. Absolutely, man. You know, if yeah. you're up by well, 40, you got to try to go up by 50. You know, yeah. and then the defense, you know, they should be just teeing off on the quarterback every fucking time because the guy's got to throw it every time. I mean, we had a couple of injuries. We lost Verrett, you know, which sucks for the season. But, uh, they better do better this weekend because I'm not one of those like, yay, Kyle Shanahan, I love you so much. You know, I'm, I have not forgiven him for the second half of the Super Bowl yet. <laughs> he still got some proving to do. I'm not forgiving him for thinking that Nick Mullen and C.J. Beathard were adequate backups last year. <laughs> and I have not forgiven him because, you know, everyone knew he needed to address the sec secondary this offseason yeah. and he did nothing. And uh, now we're looking on we're signing guys to bring in now because we have no depth 
Yeah, you guys are signing signing dudes off the street. Well, I'm just saying, at least you're not a Titans fan and get completely blown out week one by the Arizona Cardinals. So yeah, I, I saw it. <sighs> that was that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So so I'll take a uh, foot off the gas win. Yeah. <laughs> over yeah. over a uh, complete <laughs> spanking that they got. Our offense looked amazing though. Yeah. Well, that's what you that's what you do. It's yeah. that Shanahan tree. You gotta Yeah. <laughs> well, uh we, looks like our time's up, man, and uh always always great to talk to the great Gary Holt. Uh once again, Persona non grata, nuclear blast records, November nineteenth. And uh is there a single person that's persona non grata? Is there an actual is that aimed towards somebody? I let I I don't answer that question. I let everybody say who is persona non grata to you? All right. And that's what go. the song means. It's like, you know, it's it's open to interpretation. Awesome, Gary. Well, have a good rest of your day, man. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season for your 49ers, man. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, huge thank you to Gary Holt for taking some time here on the Talk To Me podcast. Make sure you go over to NotFest.com, become a VIP, and check out the video version of this interview. And also, if you're at NotFest Iowa on Saturday, come say hello. Louder Than Life on Thursday, come say hello. And until next Thursday, for the Talk To Me podcast, I am Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you soon. The Talk To Me Podcast, presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me Podcast. Talk To Me Podcast.